What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Whiskey Sessions. So happy for you to join us. This is episode 44. It's hard to believe it's been that long. B-Pimp, how are you holding up after 44 episodes? I'm, I'm just hitting my stride. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like we're hitting our stride, but you know what I have noticed, and I think you commented on this in the last episode, is we are starting to forget what whiskeys we've already drunk on episodes. I've been relying on the our powers of inspiration to get like a fan to make a website that tracks it, yep. and it, it hasn't happened yet. So It has not um, happened. I'm concerned about that, and I'm not sure if the reason that we keep drinking, or that I'm not sure even what whiskeys we've been drinking, is because I drank too much whiskey in the first place and can't remember, or is it just natural that it's been... You know, this podcast in this form, if we're talking 44 episodes and we do it every other week, that means we've done it for over a year and a half. I mean, we're kind of getting near two years with this thing. How am I going to remember a whiskey I did two years ago? It's crazy. I mean, I can't remember anything I did two years ago, much less whiskeys. literally remember no thing that I did two years ago. If you were like, sum up 2016, I would be like, oh, I think... Trump was elected. That's it. Did that really happen, though? I wish it didn't. So it's a combination of things I don't remember and things I wish I didn't remember. We we had to ramp up our whiskey intake <laughs> after that. <so. laughs> Maybe that's it. I forgot there's a third reason we can't remember the whiskey. Is it because of that motherfucker is in the White House? I do. I find myself sitting in a dark room drinking whiskey and reviewing it aloud to myself a lot. So I can't remember if it's on an episode or just me by myself. So that's that's a problem. (laughs) So with that in mind, the whiskey I have, I am pretty sure we haven't had, but not one hundred percent sure. And it is Seagram's uh, American. It's seven American blended whiskey. Uh, It's that seven crown. It's eighty proof. It's 40% alcohol by volume. And the little bottle I had, and this is a sheer sign of quality, is plastic. That's how you know you're getting the best. That's how I know I'm and that's, the best. That's a name that means quality in, in American whiskeys, too. Another name that means quality in American whiskeys is Norwalk, Connecticut. Yeah, the, the, it's called the Whiskey Belt of the Northeast. Exactly. All right, so I'm going to give this a try. I've got it on the rocks, but I'm going to keep an open mind. And we'll see how it is. I'm very curious to see if Seagram's will walk the plank. I don't know why I'm using pirate terminology, but is it going to get the boot or will it be smooth? Well, no, I like that you're using the pirate terminology. So I, I took a sip and I think I was bracing myself for something a little harsher than it was. And maybe it's the room is a little bit warm. And so I think the ice is starting to get to it. It doesn't have a, a very full taste. Um, not a lot of body to it, but at the same time, the bite of the aftertaste isn't too alarming either. It's, I could drink more of it, and I certainly think it would be a fine mixer. Uh, it's pretty, it is literally pretty smooth in that sense. But because I, I just don't, I'm not feeling good from it. I don't have like kind of a, a full body like, oh, you know, when you have that just kind of nice whiskey it really hits you in a certain way that's just like that that's that warmth that you want and i'm not getting it from seagram's so even though it's kind of close 
I'm going to give it the boot. Oh no, poor Seagram's. Yeah, I'm, but I'm going to say, if you're going to go with the bottle of whiskey that comes in a plastic bottle, it's not the worst I've had. Like, I remember trying Ancient Age a few episodes ago, and that was that was so bad. This one is not that bad. And if you're looking for a value, I got this 200 milliliters for $5. So it's not, it's it, the price is right. Now, are you familiar with the 7 and 7? I am not. Is that like Seagram's and 7-Up? Yeah. Oh. That's a very popular cocktail that I could incorporates see, Seagram's. I could see why it is. Because for a whiskey, this is like very, very light. And I think that would make it work well with the clear pop, in which I'm not sure I would necessarily do that with other whiskeys. But I can see why it works for Seagram's. I have to say, Rhino, our avid listener, is a big fan of that, and it is my official wedding drink of choice. Really? All right. So I, who I'm almost like second guessing myself a little bit on this. I I have to stick to the boot just because I don't love it, um, and I I want to make sure I'm honest with our listeners and the whiskeys that they should be getting, and I am not going to advocate for Seagrams. But it's not that bad. No, I think that's fair, and and the seven and seven doesn't really represent officially how good the whiskey is. It's just a good little easy cocktail that they always have available. So yeah, and you know, you're always going to be mixing your. And I've said this already. If I've said it a million times, uh, if you're going to mix it with something else, I'm sure it's fine. Like you won't even notice that it doesn't have like a strong taste to it. It's probably preferable that it doesn't. Um, as a mixer, I think it's a good whiskey. I, I'm curious how it would be with bitters. I don't know. But uh, I could see where people enjoy their 7 and 7 for sure. Yep. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. All right. So the topic for the top five for this episode, uh, this is a good one. Uh, and, and tell me, B-Pimp, if you think I'm even getting the topic correctly. This is sort of how I viewed it. It's bad movies that we enjoy. Yeah, I think um, that's that's right on. It's The way I, I listed it in my Google Keep note is top five movies so bad they're good. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, a movie that is so bad it's good is going to be in the eye of the beholder, right? If it was, if all movies were so bad they're good to all people, they wouldn't really be bad anymore. Like, exactly. So it's, it's a movie that's bad, um, but it's turned around again, and you personally, like myself, find some enjoyment in it. Yeah, and this is very exciting for me because I tend to, I look for movies that I think will be bad to watch sometimes because I find it very entertaining to see people put this much effort into making a movie that is bad. So it's going to be very a very excellent list. Oh, I, I mean, when we're on Netflix, Maggie really has an eye for bad movies. She's constantly suggesting one. <laughs> uh, she heard me. <laughs> <laughs> I, tell Maggie that I totally understand and I agree with her 100%. Uh, Alright, okay, let's get into the top five. These are the top five movies so bad they're good. More than four, less than six, it's the top five. Alright, my number five movie it's so bad it's good is one that I watched on an airplane, I think about a year ago, with Maggie, actually. Um, and now that we live here, 
It's it's uh, especially fitting, but it's San Andreas with The Rock. And if you don't know about it, it's uh oh, go ahead. Is it is this Alexander Denario is also in it? Yes, uh, okay. she's in it. Carla Gugino's in it. Paul Giamatti is in it. Wow. Yeah, it's got a real all star cast, but it's basically about well earthquakes in California, and the final like third of the movie all takes place in San Francisco. The Rock is looking for his kids. Um, Alexander Daddario is somehow one of his children, and there's giant tidal waves in the bay, and ships going all over the place, and it's just like, I, I think one of my guilty pleasures is definitely bad disaster movies, because I've got at least one more on here, but it's just like, the spectacle is great, and I don't care how believable it is, I, I just think it's awesome. I believe that there was a um, uh, an executive at a major studio that said, here's the formula for success. We're going to get The Rock, and yep. then we're going to have Alexander Daddario run around in slow motion, mm-hmm. and we're going to sell that, because that's what they did with Baywatch, too. There you go. Oh, yeah, they're both in Baywatch together. They've got a joint contract. I will say, I heard that movie was terrible, but I didn't see it, so I can't put it on my list. Yeah, I haven't seen San Andreas yet, but the way I view bad movies, your top five, if I haven't seen them, it's a recommendation to me, so I will watch it. Oh, absolutely. Across the board. All right, what is your number five? My number five is Troll 2. Ooh, see, that's that's on a bunch of lists, but I've never seen it. Troll 2 is kind of what I look at with this list. With a, I have a kind of a mix in mind. But Troll 2 is the, the quintessential bad movie to me because, first of all, it's called Troll 2. It's not even related in any way to the first Troll movie. They just added 2 to the end of it, pretty much arbitrarily, mm-hmm. <laughs> which that's funny to me. Like, at what point in the process of making the movie, they were like, we're missing something. What is it? Oh, fake sequel? That'll put us <laughs> over the edge. Um, it makes no sense. The acting in it is abysmal but the story is so ridiculous and and just it's so entertaining to watch that it's it's always been one of my favorites troll 2 is there any notable actor in it absolutely not no okay not not in any way there is well i guess notable would be there's the have you seen the gif that gets spread around from this movie of the guy with the glasses on who's kind of like screaming why really loud but it's like in a very muted way Huh. No, I don't think that's, I have. That's the only thing that's kind of worked its way into popular culture from it. But it's you got to watch it to see why he's doing that, and then you'll really be excited. All right, I'm gonna watch that movie. There's yeah, there's a couple other classic, like, just like terrible movies that I need to catch up on. I tend to avoid bad movies if I can, which made this list like kind of hard to put together. But I still definitely have them. I, I seek them out. I could have made a top 25 easily of this. Yeah. All right. My number four is I went through my head on whether this even is a bad movie. Uh, but I'm, I've decided because it has LL Cool J, it must be. It's Deep Blue Sea. I think this movie is like, again, it's, I like these, this isn't a disaster movie exactly, although it's kind of a disaster. But when it's got these like different 
it's just going from like one action set piece to another. This one's great because they're like getting trying to go from point A to point B and there's a bunch of disasters and sharks and flooding in the meantime. If you haven't seen the movies, I mean stop listening for a second, but one of the greatest spoilers is that Samuel L. Jackson dies like in the first half of the movie. And you I don't care who says it, you do not see it coming. How could they do that? I I don't know. That like that was one part of the movie. I was like, oh, they actually did that. You d- would not think it's he's given a pep talk to the rest of the crew who's starting to be worried because their like uh, island research facility is like sinking slowly. And right at the end of the pep talk, bam! Shark comes through, bites him, eats him. He he like comes through this like uh, it's hard to explain. There's like a pool that connects to the ocean, and the shark jumps out of this pool area, takes Samuel L. Jackson, drags him back into the water. It's amazing. That's how you know you're in for a treat. Yeah. And then you have LL Cool J, and he's got a parrot, and he does the theme song. It's it's kind of the perfect movie. So I think, wasn't the, wasn't the theme song like a TRL Top 10 video for a while, too? Probably. I, it, I, it was a popular song, not like so popular but it was like my head is like a shark's fin or something like that oh yeah yeah oh, uh, and it also what did it i can't remember the the song it was copying i'm like blanking now it, it uses like another r&b song as its basis i gotta i gotta go back and watch that again i think i have seen it but it was like 97 or something like that that came out something like that 97 maybe like 99 at the latest, but right okay. at Will Harrell's of late 90s. All right, what's your number four? My number four is Manos, The Hands of Fate. Mm. I'd like to Have hear about s- this one. I consider putting Idle Hands on my list, but I it just missed it. Ooh, Idle Hands is notable for a young Jessica Alba starring in it. That's true. Oh, did I sell you? Did I? Oh, my God. Did I tell you I saw her in an airport? What? She got off the plane I was getting on. Uh, in, I was flying from Los Angeles back to San Francisco and she was with like two friends or I don't know, like security guards who look like friends and she just walked off the plane. I was like, what did you say hi to her? I didn't say anything. Um, but like earlier, like an hour before I saw the gymnast Lori Hernandez also walking through the airport. I don't know what it is about LAX, but it was like, like all the. All the people in the world go through there, apparently. Yeah. Everybody loves the West Coast airports. Yeah. But, yeah, it was crazy because I remember, like, texting Maggie, like, oh, the gymnast is here. Cool. And then seeing Jessica Alba walk off the plane. It's like, what the fuck? Like, this That reminds me of when I saw Billy Corgan at a Bulls game. Ooh. That's, was he, like, sitting front row, just chilling? We had, my dad used to have client, or somehow he used to get pretty decent bull seats, mm-hmm. and we were sitting, it wasn't courtside, but it was like down, you know, pretty decent seats in like the uh, lower area, and he was sitting there, um, and somebody was trying to ask him for an autograph, but he said, he got up, I remember this still to this day, he got up and he turned around and he was like, I'm not saying this to get away from you, I legitimately really need to go to the bathroom, and he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds just about right. And I, and I have a great deal of respect for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I sidetracked us enough. Tell us about Manos. Manos, The Hands of Fate, is a 1966 low-budget horror film. Oh. Um, 
it it's really old it's very strange it's like so i'm gonna give you a little bit of the plot just to kind of center us but it's basically a family who's vacationing and they get lost in texas um and then where they end up finding themselves is at a pagan cult so there's this guy who kind of he walks around very strangely and you find out later it's because he has goat legs and he's Mm -hmm. like the leader of this cult house um he or he's like the assistant at this cult house and he it's basically just a a very strange like slow burn horror film but it's so old and so weird that it sticks out really when you watch it you're just like mesmerized by how someone made this movie like why did they do it it doesn't none of it makes any sense plus they had mystery science theater 3000 did a uh episode about it and it's one of the funniest ones um it's great. I highly recommend. If you have any tolerance for bad movies, you gotta watch this movie. All right. I, yeah, I want to catch some old bad movies as well. So I definitely want to check out Monos. What's your next pick? My next pick is number three. It's the 1998 classic that I was so looking forward to as a kid for it to come out, and it's terrible, but I somehow still kind of love it. It's Godzilla, with Matthew Broderick, Gene Reno, um, who else is in that movie? Well, those two people are in it, and it's it's bad because, ah, it's bad for a hundred reasons. It's bad because Godzilla looks weird. It's bad because it has, like, crazy product placement. It's bad because it's a Jurassic Park ripoff. With, like, the baby Godzillas basically just being velociraptors. It's bad because, like, it's miscast. It's ridiculous. It Like, no part of it makes any sense in terms of how Godzilla's even burrowing underground anyway. And I feel like the size of the monster fluctuates throughout the movie. Like, it's terrible in a million ways. But it's hard not to love just how bad it is. Wasn't it a huge budget, too? Humongous budget. And it doesn't look that good. I mean... Did it kill Did it kill Matthew Broderick's career? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say... I don't think so. Because... He was an Inspector Gadget after that, too. That was awful. Yeah. I, I don't know that it killed his career. When did Election come out? 2000. See, so Election was after Godzilla. And he was good in that. Okay. So I think his career going downhill is probably just his own fault. I don't think this so. Is, correlation does not equal causation. Exactly. Uh, and I would bet Inspector Gadget probably has more to do with it than Godzilla, because at least at that point, with Inspector Gadget, you're like doing a gear shift of, I'm going to do children's movies now. Yeah, that's true. And if he's going to do children's movies, then he's not as good at some of those like other actors at being... Like, he's no Jim Carrey in terms of, like, being ridiculous. Oh, the cat in the hat? Or was that Mike Myers? That was Mike Myers. Jim Carrey did The Grinch. Oh, right. Yeah. And he's done, like, other kids' movies, too, I feel like, since then. Some Penguin movie or something. Oh, boy. Yeah, Jim Carrey. I I feel like his latter career is really disappointing to me. He seems to be just stuck somewhere up his own anus. Mm Mm-hmm. From what I've gathered. It seems to be the case. My number three, by the way, is... Let's hear it. A movie, it's a movie that I love, 
and I'm putting it number three for a symbolic reason. It's right in the middle of the list. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a movie that everyone should see. I think there should be college classes taught about this movie. It is Roadhouse. Ooh. Let's hear starring, about it. Starring Patrick Swayze as a bouncer known as The Cooler. Because he's such a good bouncer that he just chills everybody out, man. So there's no need for fighting. But if you do have to fight, he's going to rip your throat out. Literally, which happens in the movie. And it's full of the most amazing dialogue. Wait, hold Patrick up. Swayze he literally has... rips somebody's throat out? Yeah, he does. He's a Tai Chi practitioner. So at one point, <laughs> <laughs> at one point in the movie, this guy is trying to attack him. And he does like a reverse claw and like jabs his fingers into his throat and literally rips his like larynx out of his throat oh my god it's amazing um everything about the movie is great being a bouncer for a number of years it's holds a special place in my heart because it's if you have ever been a bouncer and you talk to any other bouncer you're going to talk about this movie with great admiration well and plus Um, like as a bouncer i mean how many times if you had a dollar for every time you had to rip somebody's throat out you would have no money I'm just glad I went to Nepal because I got uh, I was able to get the protection of the Daily Dynasty mm-hmm. to get, get me out of some legal hot water when I ripped <laughs> people's throats out. Yeah, they, they never heard about that throat ripping. The no, I, just, I did mine more succinct. He just than... fell down. That's right. Right on his neck. <laughs> exactly. He, he happened to... Uh, somebody rode their bike over his neck on accident. That's, what, that's how that happened. Exactly. Uh-huh. No, but it's... It's fabulous. It's great. I watch it at least once a year. I have it on DVD and Blu-ray, and I would buy it again on Amazon Prime if I needed to, because it's that good. Shit, can I borrow it on DVD then? Sure. All right. I'm going to be up there soon, so I want to watch that movie. Have you not seen Roadhouse? I've not seen Roadhouse. Oh my god, you got to watch it. I'll I'll PayPal you the money to buy it immediately. Wow, all right. It's so good. Yeah, okay, I'm going to watch that then. All right. My number two is Demolition Man. All right. I debated whether I should have this on my list. I, and then I realized, um, and this list really was harder to put together than I thought it would be. I don't know that there is a movie I've seen more than Demolition Man. I, it's a repeat viewer for you. Yeah, and not necessarily on purpose. I think it's because it's been on tv so many times but when it is on tv i can't not watch it which is also kind of crazy because i think i've seen because i've seen it on tv so many times so i'm not really catching it at the beginning of the movie i think i've only seen the beginning of the movie maybe once or twice but i've seen probably the middle portion like 12 times i don't think i've seen it all the way through but i've seen bits and pieces of it numerous times i mean everybody does gives a perfect performance like Sandra Bullock plays the perfect... She's really young in the movie. She plays, like, uh, an uptight, de- uh, uptight detective or cop in it. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is full-on Sylvester Stallone-y. Um, oh, Wesley Snipes is plays, like, a ridiculous character, Simon Phoenix. And he is definitely given free reign to, I think, ha- act however he wants to act in that movie. And he nails his performance. There's even, like, really weird turns from Rob Schneider is in it. Dennis Leary is in it. It has, like, an odd cast. And it yeah, just... it makes me want to watch it from, from the start again to appreciate it. 
Yeah, and it's also like the like the romantic part of the story between Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock is like kind of gross almost. It's like terrible. And I don't know if it's because he's probably a lot older than her, but they they do not pull it off at all and it's perfect. So when it's you probably get, yeah. It's probably because of his old uh, porn career as the Italian Stallion. It might back be. In the day. So when you get to the end of the movie and they're like supposed to have their like triumphant kiss or whatever, like no, Adrian, <laughs> Adrian. But yeah, Demolition Man, great idea for a movie. I think other people have pointed out how prophetic it is. Um, maybe not that every restaurant is Taco Bell, but uh, I don't know. It's good. That's a very excellent choice. All right, what is your number two? My number two, I got to give full credit for this one to the great Waz. He suggested that we watch this, and we did it within the last few months. Have you ever heard of Miami Connection? I have never heard of that movie. Another one that I cannot give a higher recommendation. Everybody should see this at least one time. It is a movie that was made in 1987. It was this guy from Korea who came here. He was a Taekwondo expert. And he decided he wanted to make a movie. But instead of getting actors, he just had his students and other teachers act in the movie. And the premise is that he is a member of a band called Dragon Sound that is comprised of former orphans who are Taekwondo masters. (laughs) It does not make any sense. I understand that. But if you watch this movie... It is, th- there was no actual actor in it. It is all legitimately just re- like Taekwondo experts. So they did, the premise is like this band plays at a bar and the girl uh, gets, becomes smitten with the band and she's the sister of the band, the bar owner who is like the leader of this evil drug gang full of ninjas. So then they have a huge conflict. Mm-hmm. Every about 20 minutes or so, they do a full five minute song on stage in the bar that they include the entirety of it in the movie. (laughs) And the songs are unbelievable. It is, uh, just a treat. Um, I don't want to spoil anything else for anyone that wants to watch it, but you please just watch it. It's so good. When did this come out? 1980. Okay. So the other part that I forgot to mention, it was originally made in 87. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of just got forgotten for a long time, but then, Draft House Films, which I think is based in Austin, Texas, found it, and they thought it was so great that they restored it and released it again in 2012, and then it like took off because people were able to watch it. Oh, so it wasn't and, re-released until like a, just a few years ago. Yeah, just a few years ago, it just came out again, and they like released it on. Uh, I think you could just watch the entirety for free on YouTube in like 1080p. So it's like they just were like, you need people need to see this movie, so they just made it available. It's so amazing. Are they, like, songs that you know? No! They're weird songs that they... So, <laughs> the one song is called Friends. I don't want it to be a song I know. That makes it even better. No, they wrote songs. So, like, the uh, the lead singer guy in who plays guitar kind of looks like the must, the dark-haired mustache guy from Hall & Oates. Mm-hmm. And none of them wear shirts while they play. It looks like none of them are actually playing the instruments. And the girl in the movie kind of just dances on stage for most of it. Like, she doesn't really sing. Um, But the songs are really terrible, catchy, like, 80s pop songs. It's so... Everything about it is so great. Huh. All right. Uh, I'm going to watch that then. 
because you that will not is, regret watching that it. That sounds pretty point. intriguing. All right, my number one is uh, going with the disaster movie at number five. Also going to go with one at number one. I think it's the perfect disaster movie, though I know it's like terrible. The day after tomorrow. Oh man, I haven't seen this one. Oh, it's so good. All right, it's got Dennis Quaid. It's got uh, Emmy Rossum, Jake Gyllenhaal, other people, some of who I'm blanking on. It's about basically if kind of global warming fast forwarded times a billion, and then there's like some super storms, and then everything freezes. But there's also like tornadoes in Los Angeles for some reason. And then there's like a massive freezy wave over New York and people like get buried under snow there. And so Dennis Quaid's son, Jake Gyllenhaal, is stuck in New York. Dennis Quaid is, I think, in D.C. or something like that or near D.C. So he has to trek up there through the snow, which is like a ridiculous idea. And... Also, there's a big focus on, like, the president, and the president, like, dies, and the vice president, who is, like, a dead ringer on purpose for Dick Cheney, like, gives some message at the end of the story that's like, I'm always going to take global warming seriously for the rest of my life. And I was like, oh, boy, if that's actually trying to get Dick Cheney to take global warming seriously, I don't think this is going to do it. But there's other great plot things. There's, like, a group of wolves that hunt down Jake Gyllenhaal while he's trying to find... He has he goes to an abandoned ship to find an abandoned ship that's on the ground, because the water is frozen, to find penicillin to give to um, his love interest, Emmy Rossum, who is having some kind of... Like, she's going into septic shock or something like that. And they're all holed up in the library, and it's like... It's a ridiculous movie. There's tons of disaster effects. Like, they do every single disaster possible. Is there a volcano? Mm, I feel like there might be. Maybe not. Maybe I'm, like, overselling the pure number of disasters. But it's, like, a ridiculous movie. And it has, like, just an infinite number of plot points. And then it You've ends. Made, you've made me want to watch this. And somehow it has, like, a really optimistic ending, despite the fact that, like, maybe, like, two-thirds of the world died. That's a, that's quite a feat. It is, right? So that's why it's my number one. I don't know why. I love that movie. I know it's bad, but it's good for me. I'm going to watch it with, like, a, disaster, a type of disaster checklist, so I can see how many are in it. Yeah, uh, definitely do that. Well, there's definitely, like, hail the size of, like, basketballs as part of it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right, what's your number one? My number one, and anyone who knows me probably knows what this is, but it's The Room. Ooh, yeah. It's the movie that made me want to watch these kind of movies. Um, it's Tommy... I mean, I feel like a lot of people know this now, but... Oh, yeah. Tom, Tommy was so wanted to... Well, especially because The Disaster Artist came out last year, but... Tommy Wiseau wanted to make a movie. He came here. Somehow he has money. He's probably from, like, Poland, but he claims to be from Louisiana. <laughs> um, he some he had enough money to, like, spend $8 million on this thing. Uh, Which, and it was... How did he get that money? No one really knows. And There's some... 
if you okay if you were gonna make a movie why would this be your screenplay that's that's a question that i don't know if i can answer i mean he just he was so dead set on making this movie for some reason i i don't know why it's got to be something in his personal life maybe that happened that he felt he needed to tell this story but he spent the funniest part is he spent so much money because he wanted to film it twice like in two different formats <laughs> so he did like an hd and then a regular like eight millimeter uh filming it simultaneously which costs an extravagant amount of money plus he messed up the sound so bad that they had to double out of it anyway and he lost actors halfway through, so he had to recast people, and he just lets it happen. So you see one actor for the first half of the movie, then another person shows up in the second half, and it's supposed to be the same person. It's just an endless mess of nonsense, and I'm so glad that Adult Swim decided they were going to show it at midnight one night randomly, randomly because it's so great. Um, and they just put it on and said, here, this is something that has been made, and you should watch it. Is that how the whole thing kind of started? Mm-hmm. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, they just threw it on the air, because they had seen it, and it's... I mean, anyone who's seen it knows, but if you haven't, and you have any tolerance for this kind of thing, you got, you just have to find it, and watch it, and appreciate its greatness, and apparently he just made another movie, I think it's called Just Friends, or something like that, um... With Greg, who plays Mark in the room, mm-hmm. the guy that he, the blonde guy who he tosses the football around with all the time. Um, but it's it's one of my favorite movies. I've probably seen it forty times, which is weird, but I don't care because it's so great. Now it's I I will agree. It's if you haven't seen it, it is a must watch. I I think because I mean it's a must watch for just like how amazing it is. I didn't. I left it off my list as definitely an honorable mention, just because I actually I'm not sure I really enjoy watching the movie all that much beyond the couple times I have seen it. But it's I get why it's it is that like quintessential bad movie, that is like just the decisions made in filming that movie, in the screenplay, in the acting choices, in just the backgrounds. There's like weird green screens where there shouldn't be. Like, all these choices are just, like, inexplicable. And you can tell that he spent a lot of money just going around San Francisco filming things because there's long, like, Golden Gate Bridge shots for no reason. (laughs) With the same music between each scene. Yeah, it's very calming, like, elevator music with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah, definitely The Room. That's one of my honorable mentions. I also had Wild Wild West. Godzilla on Monster Island, which was filmed in the 70s, which is amazing. It has, like, 15 different monsters in it and really great, terrible dubbing. Uh, Idle Hands, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, Triple X, Anaconda, Batman and Robin, and a movie that actually kind of freaked me out as a kid, Congo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What are some of your honorable mentions? Um, I have, I have three honorable mentions and then a rant I need to go on. Go on. So, so the, the three honorable mentions, one is Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. Have you ever seen that? I have not, but I've heard, I've seen gifs or gifs from it. 
It makes no sense whatsoever. I can't say anything about it. Just watch it. Um, Lionheart with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I love all of Jean-Claude Van Damme's movies. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. I picked this one as a representative pick because I understand from like a film criticism point of view, they're not good. But I just love the fact that he said, I'm just going to use this formula. And over and over again, I'm just going to make the same movie in different areas and call it call it a career. Nice. Um, it's so great. And then just one of the guys, which is a 1985 movie where this girl um, is trying to get on the high school newspaper, but she can't because they won't let women join the newspaper. So she cross dresses for the entire movie. (laughs) Um, And it was on Comedy Central all the time when I was a kid. And I always loved that movie, but it is terrible, but somehow just very entertaining. And if you watch it now, it's especially interesting because it's so just they're basically saying like a woman can't write and it's so weird i'm guessing it does not hold up particularly well it doesn't hold up well at all but it's it's still funny um and then okay so there's a movie i'm going to describe this movie and i want to see if you can guess what it is all right there's a movie that stars christian bale Uh uh-huh michael caine and hugh jackman and it is considered according to imdb it's one of the top 50 movies of all time it is unquestionably one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life if i give you what the topic is it probably will give it away from what i've said so far do you have any guesses i know what movie you're talking about it's i don't remember what it is called but it has to do with magic right yes it's the prestige ah that's right do you have, have you seen it and or do you have an opinion about it? I have no opinion, only I trust what you are saying and I have not seen it. It's so bad. We So, Waz and I decided we were going to look up the top 50 IMDb movies and then just w- randomly watch one. And we picked The Prestige. We watched it. I can't even describe to you, like, how bad this movie is. We may, I feel like we talked about it on some other list we've had. I think we do. I think and if you I, hate this movie so much, you're like, any chance you get, let's smash Yeah. It. It's one of my, it's one of my, like, if I ever, like, run for public office, this is going to be part of my campaign. Why not? I don't understand why it's so well-liked, because it is the dumbest movie ever. It is about, it's about magic. Everybody knows that magic isn't real, yet they made a movie to try to tell you that magic is real, and here's a whole, here's a whole movie with a stupid, like, twist at the end about magic and it takes itself way too seriously the acting is ridiculous they have all these long monologues trying to like reverently present magical concepts i i was sitting there the entire time i watched it just like aghast at the fact that it is considered a great film i don't understand any of it and that's that's the end of my rant no i i totally understand that i don't think magic should ever take itself that seriously and i have not seen the movie and will not now. It's not like Michael Caine can't be in shitty movies. He was in Jaws four, <laughs> which is like famously got zero percent on the tomato meter. Michael Caine can do some wrong, apparently. He can definitely do some wrong. So don't don't let him tell you otherwise. All right. So if you have a favorite bad movie, a bad movie so bad it's good that you think we missed, go ahead and let us know on our. Uh, Twitter feed that's at Whiskey Sessions, or you can let us know via email at whiskey sessions music at gmail.com and we'll read your email on a future episode. 
but we should get to the emails from this episode. So we will open up the inbox. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right, B-Pimp, what do you have in the old email inbox? Dear Whiskey Sessions, my favorite Chicago coach of all time is Sal Martinella from Rookie of the Year. He never knew how to pronounce Henry Rowengartner's name. He called him Ravenboozer. <laughs> Frank, Frank from Chicago. That's... I, I can't argue with that. And the email I have, and maybe we can open up a longer discussion about it, is also about our last top five Chicago coaches. It says, hey guys, I'm calling it now. By this point next year, Fred Hoiberg will be the number one Chicago coach of all time. And this is from, see if you recognize this name, Ted Soyberg of Not Chicago, Illinois. Ted Soyberg? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well... Let me ask you this, though. Like, when we talk about Chicago coaches, like, okay, in terms of Fred Hoiberg, do you think if he, let's say the roster is what it is for the whole year, if the Bulls won a championship, where would you rank Fred Hoiberg uh, in your all-time Chicago coaches? Number one, immediately. I, I think I would put him number one, too. He is given the craziest effing teams to work with. He has, so now he has basically a roster full of young intriguing athletes with injury histories who all are trying to earn their next contract. I, I how, am intrigued how, by the team. How, how well will it go? I don't know. I mean, the other thing that like troubled me was like some of Jabari Parker's quotes about just like, not, not just recognizing that he doesn't play defense, but like, why should he? I tend to agree with that mindset though. I kind of do, but it's like one of those things you're not like supposed to say out loud. Maybe, maybe you can, I don't know. I am just hang out, for this hang out at half court. Wait. Yeah, just wait for it. I remember having a guy on my like rec basketball team who would do that. You got to know your strengths. It was infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's worse, like feigning effort or just saying I'm going to score if I if I wait at half court? No, that's a good point. I mean, you should stick to your strengths and be honest uh, to yourself, if no one else. We're rooting for you, Fred Hoiberg. We are. All right. Um, if you have an email you want to send us, go ahead and send it to us at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. And we'll read it on a future episode. But I think that's all we have for this episode. Be pimp. you have anything that you want to leave our fine folks at home with? Don't watch The Prestige. Do not watch that piece of crap movie. You know it's terrible. Huge All right. Until next time. Peace out. Bye. Bye.